Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we come to you on Wednesday night uh, due to some technical difficulties. Uh, it is, what, the 22nd? So we're a night away from uh, the Sweet 16. But hey, we're in the Sweet 16, so can't be too mad. Um, but before we get to that game, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what we saw last week, Kevin, with, with UCLA and the uh, the tournament as a whole. I mean, it was a pretty pretty exciting tournament uh, so far. Uh, we've seen a lot of upsets. We've seen a lot of two seeds lose. We've seen a lot a couple of one seeds lose. Uh, and at the end of the day, UCLA has found a way to win. And uh, you can't um, you can't be too mad about that within the the broader context of this tournament right now. Yeah, two very different games uh, last last weekend. Um, the first one. UNC Asheville, they weren't at our level, um, and we, we we put them at their level, right? Like, we are up here, you're down there kind of a thing, and we, we made that very clear from the very beginning. Um, no one came out with any kind of let up, and, I mean, when you look at the rest of the field, 16s beating 1s, 15s beating 2s, 14s beating 3s, or, sorry, it was a 14, 13 beating a 4, actually, uh, Virginia. So, upsets happen all over the field. That first game um, got through it with, with relative ease. Our well, big guys dominated. Uh, Mari Bailey played really well. Um, yeah, o- overall a, a good game. And then that second one, I think, relative was a ease. Different. I feel like is underselling that game. We won by thirty, and we never showed any single sign of letting up in that game. I mean, that was a workmanlike thirty-point win. I mean, we dominated from start to finish. Uh, and and did so with with good defense. I think we had talked about this before. That team was something somebody that we you could see the inkling of being scared of just because they shoot so many threes and shoot that three point three percentage well. that they had right. right. Uh, and they have a skilled big man uh, who who can shoot it and and can kind of finesse you. And none of that really came to fruition. We had a good game plan, and we played it, and we dominated that game. Uh, and we kind of uh, shoved a middle finger to all the, the haters out there that were predicting or you know putting this game at least on an upset watch type of uh, deal. So none of that came to true. UCLA took care of business in a dominant fashion uh, in this game. So that's what we wanted to see, and we saw it. Can't complain. Yeah, I mean, again, that wasn't what the rest of the field was. You could make a case that for the Thursday-Friday games, UCLA looked like maybe the best team of all of, of, of all the field, just with how dominant we were um, on that on that first game. Um, and, like, margin of victory, how we played, um, defense, every, all, all of it. So it was a good first game. Without the a Dembona. Without a Dembona, our big guys dominated. Um, Ken Nwuba and Matt Etienne, they both look, look like Shaq, and... You hope some of that experience is going to be valuable for what's coming tomorrow, which we'll get to that. But, uh, you know, it was good for, to, to get them a lot of confidence. Um, you know, Amari Bailey stepped up once again, uh, scored a lot of points. Jaime Jaquez, you know, the shot itself wasn't maybe working as much, but he was able to bully his way down low and get kind of whatever he wanted. So, yeah, I mean, a good good first game. The second game, I thought, you know, the first half more or less was starting along that path. Uh, we came out with a lot of good defensive energy. We were creating turnovers, getting them into transition. Northwestern's a team that does not turn the ball over, and we were turning them over that first half. And second half, I mean, 
we, we've seen this from this team before, right? Where if, if we play well in the first half and it looks like we're running away with it, maybe our defensive intensity slips. And that first game, Asheville just, I think, was a little demoralized by halftime. Whereas in this case, Northwestern, it's a high major opponent. It's a Big Ten team. They finished second in the Big Ten. So they're going to come out and fight for their lives, and that's what they did. Um, they made a few adjustments to, to try to get switches off Adij onto Jaime and try to beat him off the dribble. And Jaime was, for whatever reason, just letting him get to his right hand whenever he wanted to. Um, and then that, that, that pick and that roll to the big man uh, seemed to always be there. Um, just, big just man basic was pick open and rolls. all game long. Uh, it was some like just basic pick and roll stuff, right? It's like, oh, you the, they brought the coverage to the to the the, the pick, so the roller goes and he's he's free, um, and and that that stuff, especially the second half, was 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 pretty wide open the whole time, um, and then we clamped down. Give us give give UCLA credit. Those last, uh, I think Northwestern hits nine of their last eleven field goals. So defense clamped down. We hit some big shots. Dave Singleton hit some big shots before a little ankle scare that happened at the end there, and we did not like seeing that. I don't think any of us like seeing that. I mean, it's. But he's uh, fine. He's I don't know. Fine. I don't know what it is about with ankles and and tournaments for us. But uh, looks like he's okay, and he's he's gonna be gonna be all fine for tomorrow. Yeah, I think the the big takeaway there is, we pulled it out, and in March, we're gonna have to pull out games. It's not always gonna be pretty. We're not gonna roll everybody by thirty points, especially a high major Big Ten school. Uh, you know, like uh, Northwestern has some talent, and they have a good coach. Give them credit. They, they fought, as any team will, in March and, and came back. UCLA was just better. We were able to use that experience and put that game away down, down the stretch. Uh, and we had things to improve on. I, I don't think anyone would, uh, would argue with that. We didn't look as dominant, and that's fine. We just, gotta, we just need to be better in the next game, obviously. Um, one thing that we need to keep seeing you know, talking about these these last two games in particular, but even going forward is Amari Bailey needs to keep playing the way he's playing. I mean, this is the most uh, in-command, aggressive uh, scoring we've seen out of him. He is playing at, with the highest level of confidence ever. His defense has not dropped because of his scoring prowess, and that is great to see. And he just needs to keep attacking 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 getting to the the rim getting fouled uh hitting those foul shots that's been that's been really key i think for him to to see those shots go down uh and then take the open jump shot from three when he has it i think that's something that he can improve on even going forward in this tournament is he sometimes gives up open threes and i would love to see him start taking more of those even if they don't always go in he has shown himself to be a competent enough shooter um, so, you know, as a compliment to Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, like he needs to be our third big guy here. Uh, and he's really emerging as that. So love to see him doing what he's doing already. I mean, he just needs to keep playing with that confidence. Uh, yeah, he's, he's probably played himself into the second round at this point, uh, just with how he's going. And um, I mean, really, this, this can go anywhere from here. Um, you know, our season could end tomorrow and, you know, that's, that's kind of where he is or, we he could play. We could play a few more games. He'll light it up, and uh, he could be gone. So you know, it's it's all to play for 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 him, especially. And and we all hope that he's that he can play himself into a first round uh, area and 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 go ahead and lead. I think we'd all be happy with that. So um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna need him. This is the version of Amari Bailey we've been waiting for, right? And it's weird. I, I've thought about this. Uh, 
if Jalen Clark never goes down, do we see this version of Amari Bailey? I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say, right? But, I mean, the, the, the version of UCLA right now, with Amari Bailey playing the way he is, and a healthy Jalen Clark and a Dembona, I think that team would be the favorite right now to cut down the nets. I think that team that would, would be... Would yeah, so, it'd yeah. be between us and Bama, I think, as the favorite to get to the final and, and win the whole thing. Um, but you know what? Uh, that, that That's what happens. And and you know, we'll never know. Would We've seen this version of Amari Bailey with Jalen on the floor and maybe him not having as much of that responsibility. We, we'll, we'll, we'll never know. If you look at some of the stats and metrics, though, we're, we're essentially – it's it's a little bit of a wash, right? Our defense has dropped a little bit. Expected when you have the potential defensive player of the year – on your team and he gets hurt you know that that's going to happen but if you look at the numbers this the the offense has actually ticked up a little bit with amari emerging the way he has and so again we have a little little trade-off there take uh for that from that what you will like it's kind of stylistically going to look different now but we can still play at a very high level here um, if Amari keeps playing the way he, he has been. Um, second guy I want to shout out, and I know he didn't play a ton in this game, but uh, he is emerging to be very important, in my opinion, is uh, Dylan um, Andrews coming off the bench. Uh, watching this kid evolve into where he's at now has been a joy. Like He, he comes in and he is kind of like an instant offensive spark plug. He and is an ta- instant defensive spark and plug, defensive. Too. Well, defense has been there since the very beginning. Uh, but now his shot is going in. He's taking that three-pointer with a little bit more confidence. He's actually making it now. Uh, he's hitting free throws. Like, he's. He, it feels like he's coming into his own a little bit, which is, you know, great to see for this March, but also just long-term. Like, this kid is going to be a player. Uh and uh, it's been it's been awesome seeing him develop into a, a weapon off the bench. Uh, so shout out to him coming in every game and just putting in those minutes and, and you know, being a guy who we can rely on on both ends of the floor. And, and we saw him hit a big three. We saw him sink a couple of clutch free throws uh, in this game. So big, big ups to, to Dylan, you know, the more and that. And you know that he has the potential down the stretch here you know, tomorrow yeah hopefully or, or going forward to to really step up and contribute in a big moment because because he's shown that he can do it we're um, gonna need him at some point i think in march to step up and it could be next game it could be you know if we go through a game after it like he it feels like he there there he will be primed for that moment yeah we've seen him again at, at arizona state hitting big shots we've seen him in the Pac-12 championship game, hitting big shots and keeping our team in the game. And we saw now this game, uh, you know, against Northwestern. So he's got that game in him. He's got a lot of confidence. Uh, and th- this this next one is kind of tailor-made for somebody like him, um, primarily on defense, because uh, the team we're about to play, they can shoot it quite a bit. And uh, Dylan Andrews is someone that can get in your face and force turnovers and for us, we've lost Jalen Clark. We need to still like get some of those things back, yeah. uh, and he's someone who can provide it. Yeah. Well, before before we move on to the to the Sweet Sixteen matchup, um, you know, this game was obviously we mentioned was a little bit more nerve wracking than the first one. We were we were I think everybody watching this, if you're a UCLA fan, was a little nervous uh, in the end of the second half. 
Um, from from what I understand, Kevin, you were a little more nervous, more than nervous, and uh, we got some uh, slightly alarming texts from you <laughs> during this stretch of the game. Oh, where jeez, you're gonna make me tell the story again? Look, the people need to know what happened here. I mean, when when you text a, a bunch of other guys saying, oh, "Yo, I might be getting divorced tonight." Um, it's it's slightly alarming, and and just a disclaimer: Kevin did not get divorced. So just a quick spoiler no, there. We're good. But, but we're we good. gotta we gotta we gotta hear what happened here. Um, as you as as people who listen to this show probably remember, Kevin was at a wedding during this game. Though you did watch this game, and that I think will lead to explaining what happened here a little bit. I did watch the game. I was at a wedding. I was that guy at the wedding. Um, you, you know what, like. This this was this wedding was in Mexico, right? So you can't actually watch March Madness on the app by itself in Mexico or outside of the any U.S. territory. You got to be on a VPN. Um, so what's the so I need my wife's work phone that has a VPN on it that can then connect to all these apps to actually go ahead and watch the game. And so we're both at at at, at this wedding, and you know, the wedding's about to start. That's when Kansas and Arkansas are about finishing, right? So we're following the game, and uh, you know she, she's as much or more of a basketball fan than I am, right? So, like, we're, we're, we're both sitting there, we're following the game, and I'm still wondering, like, how am I actually going to turn, the like, the video on here? Because UCLA is about to tip off. And so then we go to go into, like, the cocktail area. I get the Wi-Fi password, and now I'm really excited, right? Like, we got a way to watch. We're cooking with gas uh, here now. Yeah, right? We were cooking with gas. Uh, video's going. Everything's running well. Boom. We're, we're having a good time. And then we start walking towards the dinner area. With every step, that that those those reception bars they dwindle. Like that Wi-Fi signal, it dwindles one step by one step by one step. So I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Because like we're just about to tip off and everything. And so we sit down, and it's like cutting in and out. I'm like really nervous at this point. I've probably dropped like five or six margaritas. Um, and, and, and like this is this oh, is Cabo, no. right? So they they don't they don't screw around with like their margaritas. These these are heavy heavy things over there. So like oh, I'm sitting no. down. We're sitting at this table where we like we don't know anybody, right? Like neither of us know anybody. Both of us want to watch the game. Um, and like me being the great husband that I am, right? Like I throw all social duties upon my wife at this point. And so like I'm not speaking to anybody. I'm not like acknowledging that anyone exists. They're talking to me. I'm not talking to them. You're right? great like, at so making all, friends, man. You're all great all at this stuff, friends. and at this point, like it's actually okay because, like, you know, we're we're up, we're pretty pretty comfortable first half, right? So first half finishes, we're up by ten. Second half comes around. Game starts getting a little tight, and guess what starts happening? Like just as the game starts to get tight, it's time for speeches. <laughs> it's time for father, daughter, mother, son, all this stuff that that all like uh, let me, happens. Let me ask you this: Were you sitting in like the front? Or were you somewhere towards the back? Because this no, no. Be thankfully, so much we were like in a corner, front. right? Like the way this setup okay. was, okay. like it was happening like in the middle, and we were somewhere in a corner. But we were sitting with like pretty much the entire wedding party, so hey. like there, there, there's that that element. There's some attention here. being thrown towards that table. Yeah, like the lady, the one of the ladies is actually preparing for her speech in the corner and all this stuff, like um, like sitting at the corner of our table. Um, and I don't really let her prepare for the speech, right? Because, like, at this point, now the game's starting to get, get tight. I'm, like, getting up on the chair. Like, my wife's pulling me down to not, like, make me embarrass her. All this stuff. And, like, 
and she's mad on two accounts right now. Like, I'm not letting her watch, and I'm embarrassing her. So, like, I'm this is, like, bad on two accounts right now. I think and one's so, a little worse than the other. In this one's case. a little worse, right? I'm, like, banging on the table. I'm dropping <laughs> the phone everywhere, like, all over the place. I'm, like, I'm totally that guy at the wedding right now. Um, and then, like, the... The final, like, step of the father-son, or, sorry, the father whatever they call it, right? That dance um, is, like, finishing up, and, like, at this point, like, I'm literally losing reception. I can't watch the game. So I run through, the like, the back end of the dance, and I just, like, run back to the courtyard area for the last two minutes I'm, of the game. I'm proud that you didn't run through the dance floor. Good, I mean, good I for you. besides that. Yeah, so th- I, this was a very nerve nerve wracking game to watch on many levels, um, but hey, uh, we won the game and uh, it all it all worked out in the end. Look, I'm I'm just happy for you uh, that you did not get divorced at a wedding because of basketball. Um, that would have been a. Uh, I will say this: I later got event. like I later talked to the groom, and he was like, "Yeah, man, like I would totally be doing the same thing." So it's all good. Well, yeah. Uh, at least you got semi permission after after the event. That that, the that event. counts for something. Um, yep. Well, you know, go go get some flowers and book a nice dinner or something. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad it all worked out. That's that's all. Uh, that's all anyone can hope for here. Uh, before before talking about Sweet Sixteen, real quick, uh, I do want to shout out to all the fans that were in Sacramento. Um, I, I had the privilege and opportunity to, to get up for this game. Great atmosphere, uh, lots and lots of UCLA fans. It was it was nice seeing a big turnout for uh, Bruin support. Uh, we were loud. It was awesome. And shout out to the the Northwestern crowd too. I mean, there were uh, a smaller but but pretty uh, vocal contingent of Northwestern fans up there. They were all a pleasure, you know, great to interact with. Uh, really enjoyed the atmosphere. Great game. Um, you know, best of luck to, to their, their program. We will be seeing you guys all in the Big Ten very shortly. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe we can get a rivalry type thing going here. Who knows? Um yeah, and we're going to need everyone we can get uh, in Vegas this weekend. You know, whoever can come. You know, you, you and me have been talking to absolutely can't make it on Thursday, right? But if, if if there is a Saturday, you know, we'd like to be there. We um, we will but, be there. We will yeah. be there. Um, not 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 a shout out to the fans behind us who were mad that we were standing in the last three minutes, two minutes of the game, uh, while we were in in clutch moments. While the entire damn stadium was on their feet cheering for their team, yeah, those people can uh, fuck off and go back to whatever opera they want to go to to sit down the entire time. It's a basketball game. People stand. People are cheering for their team. Especially what irks me the most is when it's non-affiliated fans. It's like they're not Northwestern fans. They're not UCLA fans. They're just like there to watch basketball. Like it's college basketball. You got to be going nuts. And if you're st- people are staying in front of you, stand up. If the whole stadium's standing, stand up. Don't complain. Um, so that, yeah, that's that ridiculous. That happened to us. That was kind of fun. So I, we didn't sit down. Like I, I don't care. I paid a lot of money for those seats. Um, yeah, nor should you have, I mean, that that's ridiculous. Um, sea of blue. Sounds like everyone was doing good. So yeah, good that you didn't sit down. Hell no. We, we, you know, my, my 
incoherent screaming at the uh, at the ref or at the uh, court in general definitely powered our team to win. I I can guarantee that. I can guarantee that. That energy somehow translates. Speaking of refs, uh, have you noticed that at least in our games and like a lot of games around, there haven't been very many fouls called at all. Like North Northwestern had to foul in the last like three minutes to just get into the bonus. Yeah, they were they were letting them play a little bit in this game, um, which I don't hate. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a a rumor floating around that Tony Padilla has been. Uh, been uh, tagged to to ref some of the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight games, so uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, in those so I games. don't think he's allowed to do the UCLA. Gonzaga no, to be game clear, because, yeah, 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 but. because he's a Gonzaga alum. Um, but again, for, for let's let's just recap who Tony Padilla is. Tony Padilla is the ridiculous referee who called the offensive foul on Amari Bailey dunking on the guy, right? Like that's who's refereeing the regional games. Look. I, regardless of if he refed UCLA Gonzaga or not, I, I don't think he will. He shouldn't. We can have that argument and meltdown if that ever were to happen. But like, I don't. Where's think Where's the will. accountability here? How does anyone like look at that and say that you can ref now the biggest stages of our tournament? Like exactly. Like, look, his presence on a court is an insult to the game of basketball. Like it is an affront to the sport. This guy should not be on a court at this point. I, and, I mean, you you read all those quotes last time we talked about this. Um, but, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that he's even being tapped for, for this. And he shouldn't be anywhere close to <laughs> refing a, as, an, a, as important of a game as a Sweet 16 or Elite 8. Like, it's, it's absurd. But um, I'm not expecting to see him at our game, luckily. So, yeah. Uh, I won't be as mad about this. He can go screw up another game, um, and maybe I'm hoping to see some Big Twelve officials tomorrow. Uh, I wonder. I, I haven't checked. I wonder if they've announced it or they haven't announced the assignments for, to the games themselves. I don't think they announced those until like right before the game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah, that would be ideal. I I would be okay with that, but. We will we'll see. Um, so are we are we ready to talk about this game now? I know we've been dancing Jeez. around it. Uh, are we? Yeah, I think so. Look, when we looked at the bracket, we knew that this was like the the dream scenario for the committee that UCLA and Gonzaga would somehow meet, match up and meet up at the Sweet Sixteen. Like it was written there. It went largely chalk at this point to get here. So this, this is by Gonzaga and UCLA. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was by design. Like this was like their wet dream. They wanted this to happen. Obviously there's been a lot of recent tournament history, even going as far back as the 2006, uh, season. We had the, the famous Adam Morrison crying game. And then we have 2001 final four. With the uh, Jalen Suggs uh, half-court shot, so... 2021. 21, yes, not 2001. 2021. Uh, so, yeah, look, there's there's some bad blood here. There's some history here. Uh, as an aside, let me ask you a quick question. Which clip do you think we see more of tomorrow? The Adam Morrison crying 
clip or the Jalen Suggs shot? Wow, that's a great question. Because we're going to see a lot of this stuff during the game. They're going to hit I, us I'm, over the head with it. They are. I'm going to say... You would have to think it's going to be the Jalen Suggs shot, right? Because it's the more recent one. and like I agree. I agree yeah, with you. Now, I think we'll probably get some of those like flyby reels of like UCLA, Gonzaga, and the tournament. And it's like the famous Adam Morrison game and then Heartbreak like, City. Heartbreak City. And then we'll we'll also see the twenty fifteen game with the Norman Powell team that went to the Sweet Sixteen and played Gonzaga. I'm sure we'll see like a small clip of that game and then we'll see the Jalen Suck shot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we're gonna see a lot of the, the Sug shot. I think we'll see a little bit of Morrison and Heartbreak City, but I think Sug's shot is going to get um plastered all over the screen. So UCLA fans Prepare yourselves for that. It uh, still hurts every time you see it, but uh, I think I think we're 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 ripe for that. So, look, we're we're here where we're we're at. Nothing we can do about this matchup. Uh, I I think though, this is not a Gonzaga team of years past where they were just a machine. Like, yes, it's not our, Super Gonzaga of the no. last two years. Look, Drew Timmy's still there, and, and he's an excellent, excellent player. Let's not discount Drew Timmy, but they don't have a Chet Holmgren or a Jalen Suggs or really any kind of surefire NBA-type guy on their team right now uh, like those teams uh, over the last few years have had. And so this, this makes Gonzaga a little bit more vulnerable. We've seen it throughout the season. That being said, they are still the no- number one offense in the country. Uh, they're still a very, very good offense. Though defensively, they're what? In like the 70s, if I remember 75th correctly. 75th in Ken Palm for defense. Um, th- their profile is very similar to the the Lonzo Ball UCLA team. That was, I think, the number one or two offense and 85th ranked defense. This is number one ranked offense, 75th ranked defense. Um, now, I, I, I've watched a lot of Gonzaga highlights and tape in the last few days just you know just because and it's interesting um on tape their defense doesn't look as bad as the numbers suggest uh like that that anton watson uh he he's he's their deflector steals guy um like defense first guy uh that's what he is for them and what I think the, the biggest reason that their defense kind of is where it is is, for one, they don't play in a very good league, so they can score a ton of points. The possessions get a lot, but it, it, that's what adjusted defense is supposed to account for, right? It's points per possession. So even with that, they're still giving up, giving up points. Um, they don't have that rim protector that they have had in years past, right? Like, they had that with Chet Holmgren. Um, the year when, when we played in the Final Four, they had Timmy and they had Corey Kispert next to him. Um, who also was a, a, a very good defensive player. That year they were 11th, I think, in defense in Ken Palm. So they don't have that. Watson is kind of their guy um, if he's not chasing somebody around the perimeter to do all that kind of stuff. And they also switch a lot, run around on defense to make up for that fact, um, and therefore they do give up some threes. And... 
all those things, I mean, there's a way to attack their defense, right? They're going to, they don't foul. Guys like Drew Timmy, Watson, Strother, they really just don't foul. But that also means you're going to get like those two footers, three footers, four footers, where like guys are just standing with their arms straight up and you get, just got to go a little bit around them and you'll get a, get a shot. We're, we're going to have that kind of stuff. Um, they can get beat up. Their guards can get beat off the dribble, right? So, like, you can see the likes of Tiger and Amari Bailey, like, doing their work there. They do go up to, uh, give up threes. I think the key for UCLA is just, you know, can we take advantage of all this stuff? Um, like, we, you, would, you would hope that we can generate enough good looks to, to win the game tomorrow night. They got to go down, uh, you know, because we've seen this movie before where – we play a good team, like, we, it's essentially the two games we lost to Arizona, right? We held them to really low percentages, um, got good looks. They did not go in. And both of those games, you could say tired legs and whatnot there. This this time it's a Thursday game. It's fresh legs. So they just got to go in, and, and, and that's, that's one thing. The other thing I think is against Northwestern, one thing that really scared me again was just the rebounding. Um, that that was just a piss poor rebounding effort, and, and and if it wasn't for like their offensive rebounds, uh, we probably win that game going away. Uh, Gonzaga, if you watch the game against TCU, their guards similar to what Northwestern was doing. Uh, they like to fly in and uh, pick up offensive rebounds, so we're gonna have to account for that. Um, we gotta fight them at least even on the glass. Uh, at the very least, we gotta fight them even. I, I think there's an opportunity to hear also to tire a lot of their players out. If you look at the minutes that those guys play, they they really are running a six-guy uh, rotation with Hunter Salas coming in as a seventh guy for about 16 minutes a game, and then Ben Gregg comes in for like 10 to 12 minutes a game. Like They're, they're running a pretty tight rotation here. Um, and I think what we've seen in games past, if you watch the, even the TCU game, you watch some of um, Drew Timmy's other games this season, he gets tired and he's not coming, he's not getting back on defense as much as, as a team would like. Now, when he is back on defense, he's a good defender, but it's it's getting um, him back on defense if they're on the other side of the court sometimes. He, he just gets gassed, uh, especially down the stretch. This seems like a game ripe for trying to create turnovers, get some of those cheap buckets on fast breaks, and uh, you know make them run back and forth just a little bit more on defense. Um, we can exploit them from that perspective. I think the two guys that obviously Drew Timmy obviously is there, and we'll talk about him in a second. But Julian Strother and Anton Watson both scare me a little bit and Rasir Bolton from a three-point perspective really scares me all these guys can shoot the three like they're shooting well over 30 percent uh as a team they shoot almost 40 percent at 38.7 percent as a team from three um and they take a good amount of threes like this is a team that if you do not chase them off the line they can bury you uh and and that right there what you just said is probably what scares me the most about them um it, we also, I mean, you mentioned some of their their guards that can really shoot it. They got this, you know, David Singleton plus kind of guy on the bench, Malachi Smith. For whatever reason, I don't know if it wasn't on TCU scouting report or whatever, right? But but he got like three or four wide open looks from three. He's shooting fifty percent from three, and he's yeah, right. he's taken like uh, over like let me like eighty five 
three-point attempts for the season. Rasir Bolton is shooting at, at 39%, and he's he's taken over 100. Like, these guys can shoot the ball. Uh, yeah. And we, we, we can't let them get hot from three. I think that is that is the biggest danger. Look, we can, we'll can we talk about Timmy. Timmy's a great player. Uh, he can get his. But I think the real damage here is if they get their three-point shooting going and going, you know, w- getting really hot, like this, this could end very poorly for UCLA. The good news is, I will say, is we've been pretty good so far at running guys off the, the line in this tournament, especially. I think we saw that with a team uh, like UNC Asheville, who also has a very high three-point percentage. We did really well against them. Um, we did pretty good against Northwestern. Like, we, we have shown the ability to do this. This is just another beast now. Like, this is a higher level of, of offense that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's the classic NBA analytics argument you hear, right? Like, run the guys off the three-point line, and you're either getting you, – you don't let them score from the three-point line, don't let them score from right next to the basket – and whatever else they do in there, if they beat you, that they beat you. And I mean, that, I think that stuff is a little overplayed because, like, if if you're playing a team that's good at doing that, then like, it, it's kind of like when teams played UCLA with Johnny Juzang that final four run, and it's like, oh well, he can do that. So if you're giving it to him, that's not really good analytics. But I think in this case, uh, we cannot let them just, and they do it in a lot of different ways too. Guys like Nolan Hickman, Rasir Bolton, like. They can do that that little step back three that Killian Boswell does. Um, they're they're comfortable doing that kind of stuff. And then you know they watch the Northwestern tape, so they're going to try to beat our guys off the dribble too. They're trying to get a, trying to get a matchup on Jaime and see if they can beat him off the dribble. So, um, yeah, I mean it, it's 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 tough to slow them down. I, I think again, you got to run them off the line. You cannot just let them step back and get rhythm shots off off the three point line. And then for Drew Timmy. Yeah, what um, do we do with Timmy now? Uh, we, we've talked a lot about their guards, but their star guy, he's a four-year guy who's been around forever. He's savvy. Like, what do we do with this guy? He's going to get his points. I, I think like that, that's, the, that's the, the reason I think we talk so much about the three-point shooters. Like, I think he is going to get his points. Now, we've got to make him work for it, though. Um, you know, the, in, the, in simple matchups, I mean, you got Adembona, you got Ken Nwuba, um, there's a school of thought going around that you know Ken Nawuba may be the better matchup for Drew Timmy than a Dembona, um, just because of sheer inexperience. Uh, you know, you probably expect a Dembona, and and look like, and he's got to take this as a challenge. Um, that that he he should know most people are saying this about him, right? But we all if 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 a Dembona is in the game after the under-16 timeout tomorrow, I think we'll all be stunned, right? Like, if he's if he's in the game after... And if he's in the game after the under-12 timeout, like, we'll be throwing parties. I will I will say this about Dembona. There's been a few other times in this season that we've said similar things about him, like uh, the game against Oregon, for instance. Like, look, this is a game that Bona can will struggle with. They have legitimate size and athleticism and guys who can get you in foul trouble. And in, in a lot of these instances... Give Bona credit, he has really stepped up in those situations and kept himself out of some semblance of foul trouble, like to some degree at least. He has played straight up one-on-one defense to a high level. He's shown flashes of that. Like the ability is there. The the 
athleticism. I wonder if he's ready for this, right? Like, this is the highest level now that you can get to in college basketball, doing this, doing that against Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy is a savvy guy. I mean, if you watch him, look, a lot of people make a big deal out of all the hooks and holds, all the stuff that he does, but he he's great at positioning. He's he's great at, you know, getting the the fouls called on him. He he works the refs in the best way possible. And I, I think this is not a knock on him. Like this is these are qualities that make him a really good player in college. And he's he's hard to stop. I, I look, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not fast. He's not, you know, going to jump over you. He he kind of uh, I know we talked about this a little bit, Kevin offline. Like he's kind of like Jaime Jaquez, but taller and not as fleet as foot. Yeah, right. Yeah, he has the footwork, but he he's and he's savvy and he knows how to get you it up and like over and fouling you. He's he's incredibly good at that. Yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say. Um... We got to tire him out. We got to make him work for his points. How do we do that? Well, here's the thing. Um, I actually don't think it's a... So long as he spreads these out, I don't think it's a problem if a Dembona spreads out his five fouls against Drew Timmy along with Ken Uba. What you don't want is both of them getting pick, picking up two fouls by the 10-minute mark of tomorrow's first half. That would be bad. But we got two guys there. We got 10 fouls. I don't think this is the game for Matt Etienne. I think Matt Etienne's going to get eaten up a little bit if, if Drew Timmy gets, gets a go on him. Um, so the two of them, they have 10 fouls. They got to use them wisely. If you're fouling him, you, he's so good at finishing through contact. It's got to be a hard, it's got to be rough or you're not going to foul at all and just let him score. It, you can't, you got to go one or the other. And then on the other end, um, I think we got to throw him in a lot of pick and roll action. Try to switch him up onto Tiger and force him to guard a dribble drive, uh, like three, four times. Like we got to just run a lot of stuff at him on both ends of the court, so that when it comes late in the game, maybe he is gassed. Um, if we can, if we can get Amari Bailey switched on him as many times as we possibly can in this game, like he's gonna cook him. Amari's gonna cook him. I think both of them can cook him, right? And and it's not even about because he's not him, a rim right? protector. Like he's not, he's not a rim protector. I'll say this though about Drew Timmy, um, he doesn't foul. He doesn't really block shots. Um, he gets you in that awkward spot where you just got to move a little bit to make a shot. And that's that's like how they try to play defense, right? It's just like get you a little bit off your spot to where you got to think that extra second and maybe you miss a shot. So. Amari, Tiger, like all these guys, like I'm sure they know that, and we got to find a way to finish those shots when we get those mismatches. But that's, I think, the way to play play Drew Timmy. And, and the reason I think Ken Wuba might be better suited to this, Ken Wuba is just a lot of mass to move. Adem Bona is very athletic, but he's, I, I think, Drew Timmy, like he's very decisive and his with with his with his movement. And he's though he's not the strongest guy, like he'll throw his elbows into you a little bit. He'll get that hooking going. And you can see a Dembona just like maybe not able to, not ready to deal with that. But Ken Wuba, he's a little harder guy to move. So if you can get Drew Timmy where he's not catching the ball right next to the basket and he's got to move you a bit, maybe Ken Wuba can 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 slow him down. You don't um, you don't need plus athleticism to defend Timmy, right? Like we're not talking about a uber athletic big guy here, which which Bona is. And if you do get Bona to play discipline, like he has that advantage over Timmy. But to your point. 
Ken, Ken, I think Kenny plays when he's on defense and he's playing good defense and he we've shown he's shown himself to play good defense for for throughout the season and last season um but when he's on like he's a smart player he doesn't bite on everything he's not going to react to you know Drew Timmy's uh I don't want to call them antics but tactics in and trying to get in your head and trying to draw fouls like he he is and he is a guy who who will you know, keep a calmer head in that situation, I think. Um, and, and to your point, he's a bigger, stronger guy right now than Bona is. The athleticism is in there, but the mass and the strength is absolutely there. And, and he's a guy who, who I think it would be, will be useful. I, I wouldn't be opposed to having Nuba start this game for, you know, stretches of the first half and then get Bona in there. Um, and, and for for uh, periods of the, the game. And then, you know, as the game goes on and have, as uh, things kind of change and evolve, like maybe we get more Bona in there. I don't know. But I, I, I do think getting Nuba in there, getting him to play tough, play, you know, rough a little bit, you know, I think he can uh, stay on par with Timmy with, with throwing a little little elbow and being being tough down there um, can can actually help us in the, the end and keep keep Bona out of foul trouble. Because I think Bona, from our perspective, is a huge matchup issue for, for uh, Gonzaga. Like, they don't have a guy who's going to match up well for, uh, on, on Bona on the defensive end. Like, I don't think Timmy is a guy who is going to defend him super well. Yeah, that's the part where I think if whenever Bona is in the game, if if you know it, whenever he is, and again, objective tire out Timmy, um, that's a way you can start to do that, right? And and in Gonzaga, this is maybe the one area that may, maybe they can be a little more vulnerable than other opponents that we've played. You know, the, we've struggled at times entering the ball into the post and and moving the ball into the low post. Um, and I think we've played a lot of teams who take pride in, you know, disrupting passing lanes, so on and so forth. Gonzaga's guys outside of Watson um, and maybe a couple others, right? But but that's not really like a thing that's ingrained in their DNA. Now, maybe it will be tomorrow because they've probably been told that, you know, hey, when you see Jaime Hawkins in the low post, like by all means, deny him the ball. Um, but have they scouted Bona and our other post guys well enough to know that like we're actually comfortable throwing it down there just so that we can throw it back out um you know that that'll be something interesting to see because when we are able to throw it in and then out our offense functions really smoothly um when we're not we can struggle a little bit so that that's i think an interesting part to see uh, the other side of this is our bench guards um i think they're gonna let step dylan up cook let dylan so dylan's really interesting in this game i think he can be a, a plus defender for sure, and he defended Killian Bothell really well in that Pac-12 title game, and I think he's got exactly that kind of assignment again with Nolan Hickman. Like, he loves doing that step-back three. He loves a little dribble-drive action. Um, Dylan Andrews is going to need to know a scouting report there. On the other end, I don't know if they got a guy that can that can stop him off the dribble, right? Like, I think he can get to that pull-up shot or he can get to the rim pretty much when he wants, Again, this is the thing with UCLA tomorrow is we know Gonzaga may have their flaws defensively. Can we take advantage of it? 
Um, you know, Dylan has started to get more consistent, and we got to put it all together now tomorrow. So uh, that that'll be really interesting. His quickness and speed are, are going to be unmatched on Gonzaga's end. It's just a matter of can he can he consistently actually score here, and and he's been showing it now. Let's see if he can do it at the biggest stage. And and I I think as a as a player like he doesn't seem like a kid who's going to shy away from it. Uh, it's just a matter of can he can he handle some of the pressure to actually perform at the level we know he's capable of of doing um yeah it's it, the other guy obviously off the bench will be will will mcclendon good old willie mack uh, i think he's got a role to play tomorrow because if we want to create turnovers and such uh will mcclendon knows how to disrupt passing lanes he's a big big strong guy that's out there he rebounds well um Again, it's it's just going to be so situational as to how much he can play. We, this is why we need all our our offensive players to step up, um, the likes of you know Jaime, Tiger, Dave Singleton, Amari Bailey. Like we need guys to step up so that we can put in Will McClendon in there and get some plus defensive minutes out of him. Um, if we're struggling for offense, then we're probably not going to play Will McClendon a whole lot. But, right. He, he's right. going to come in for defense. I, I don't what I don't want to see is when Will McClendon comes in and we're we're trying to like double Drew Timmy a lot. I think doing that will get us in trouble because Timmy is a, is a pretty good passer from the post. And he, if we do that, he's more than likely going to find the open man. And that is where we can get hurt. So, you know, if we are you know, playing more defensive with guys like Willie Mack in there. Like we need to make sure those rotations um, and switches are on point. We can't lose our guys when we're, we're, we're playing defense. I think that that is going to be key here uh, and not doubling Timmy a whole lot. I, I really don't think we, we do that. A couple of those passes in the TCU game where they, they sent the help and he knew exactly where it was coming from, so he threw the ball all the way across the court, right into the right into the shooter. Like he's got that kind of game in him. Now, if you listen to the, like the people analyze how to guard Drew Timmy, um, uh, they'll they'll like the, the high major teams that played him this year, the, like Michigan State, Texas, all the all those different teams that that beat him early on in the year, um, use some variation of a double team that either came really early or it came really late. Uh, when it came in the middle, it was a little predictable, and that's when you can like kind of pass out of it. So, if that isn't the game plan, you know we'll have to execute it really well. Um, and again, know where our rotations are because he—that's when they get really lethal. When you send help, and then they kick it out to all these shooters, they beat you off the dribble, they get open three-point shots, and then it becomes a nightmare. So, you know, again, we don't want their guards joining the party uh, and their wing players joining the party here. If they do, I think it could be a long night. Yeah, and the same can be applied to our press, right? I think we've seen it. You know, we're we're generally a good good pressing team, but we've seen a few times where there's some some lapses or breakdowns where a team's able to get it out front way too quickly while our press is still kind of behind the ball and uh, at least to open shots once in a while. So we we just can't let them do that. If we're gonna press the ball, and I am a big proponent of pressing the ball with these guys. Because uh, we can generate some turnovers here, we need to we need to be on point again. To your point, uh, no pun intended, but uh, we got to make sure that we're sticking to our guy and and keeping those rotations. Uh, we got to win the Cronin math. Right? We got to like, win the Cronin math, but yeah, we got to keep those rotations tight. Uh, and and when we're switching, 
we can't get lost on on switching. I think then we get lost on switching, then we're going to see those three starting to drop a little more than we would like. Um, so we've talked a lot now about team defense, rotations, running off the three-point line, making Timmy work. All of this is, I think, is the this plus not turning the ball over and rebounding, I think is the core principles of our game plan tomorrow. Now, what we haven't talked about is, you know, you play a team like Gonzaga, you can play the best defense. They're going to have a five-minute stretch where they rain shots. Um, so that's, that's basically what the TCU game was. They, they struggled, and then they had about a five, six-minute stretch where they got out of it. And you're not going to keep them bottled up the entire game. So when we got the ball, um, you know, we got to have our guys step up, take the responsibility, and, and they're fully capable of doing it. We've talked a lot about how we can generate the good looks, right? But, you know, especially the likes of Jaime Jaquez, right? This is kind of a legacy game, Jaime Jaquez and Drew Timmy. You know, Timmy has been talked about as the icon of college basketball. If Jaime Jaquez wants to be that, you know, he's got to step up in these games. Uh, there can't be any getting gassed or any of that stuff. He's got to step up and, and carry us a little bit. You, you know what have, should you know what should drive Jaime Jaquez in this, in this game even more? What's that? Someone print out the final four Naismith uh, player of the year finalists. Yeah, a bunch of garbage. And and paste that up on his locker right now. Um, you have three out of four of those guys who did not make it out of the first weekend of the tournament. I just want to point that out there. The only other guy that it got selected was Drew Timmy. So you have Hawkeyes going against him now. If that's not motivation enough, like... I, I, and I don't I don't think Jaime Hawkins is a guy who needs motivation, period. But if you want to add just that little extra fuel to the fire, uh, I think that there that there's that storyline here that uh, we can we can think about uh, driving Jaime to to really kind of turn it up this this game. Um, well, it's a legacy game for Tiger Campbell too, and Tiger Campbell if. You look at the stats from Northwestern, did not make a field goal. He did have 12 points. He did have a bunch of assists, but all of his points came on free throw shooting, which is, I do not want to discount, insanely valuable. Insanely valuable to have a guy shooting free throws at the, the click he's shooting them. But he needs to make free th- or make field goals. Like him and Jaime need to have good games offensively. You know, we talk about this in the NBA a lot in a, in a playoff series, right? Like, let's say, you know, it's LeBron in a playoff series or Steph in a playoff series. And you always talk about, like, you know, hey, well, the series is tied 1-1. And it's like, yeah, but, but we haven't seen the LeBron game yet. We haven't seen the Steph Curry game yet, right? This tournament, we haven't seen the Tiger Campbell game yet. And, you know, if we play enough games, it's coming, um, you know. Ideally, it's tomorrow. But we haven't seen the Tiger Campbell game and we haven't seen the Dave Singleton game yet. Um, you know that they got it in them. So, you know, they're, they're due for a big game. We need it tomorrow. Uh, I'd, again. I'd also yeah. like to see more of the offense run through Amari. I, I really think that he is the X factor here in the way he's playing. Like, I know we have the tendency to give Jaime the ball in, in certain stretches of games to generate a bucket. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think that makes sense but take 10% of those shots 5% of shots I don't know but give some of those to Amari and run the offense through him a little bit more because he's been on fire and he's cooking and I I don't know 
how teams can then account for three of those guys potentially going off. Like you can't stop that three-headed monster in my opinion and and I think he he's going to be key here and if we can run a little bit more offense like it's a little bit more unpredictable and you can catch teams a little bit more off balance and knowing Gonzaga's defense is not great I don't think they can keep up with three guys like ours right now if they play up to their offensive potential and this isn't yeah. mentioning if Bona's playing well like he can be a low down low and if Dave's shooting to his averages like he he you can't leave him open like the, we we offensively I know we go through lulls but if we can be efficient with our looks like we will be fine we just need some of these guys to step up to um out of some of their their mini lulls if you will uh, but yeah we need Tiger to be shooting we yeah. need Jaime to be playing and I think Amari needs to be that third guy and he yeah, has I been mean, of those four two of them got to step up for sure I think we need two guys stepping up, one other guy that's just given enough solid contributions. Um, and from there, you know, it's, there's a few variables that, that that can help us, right? You know, Bona, free throw shooting, the, the, the bench guy, freshman, uh, free, the free throw line. Like, these are the things we've talked about in previous podcasts where, you know, if we get a couple of these things all, like, working out, then, then we can beat anybody, um, including teams like Gonzaga. So... Yeah, that that's 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 what we gotta 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 see about tomorrow. Um, you know, it's it's that that's what this this tournament's all about. It's about these kind of games. Look, and we got we got Coach Jalen Clark back on the bench on the sideline, so that's that's good to see. I, I, if you didn't see this already, uh, Jalen traveled with the team to Las Vegas, so he's there. Um, my conspiracy theory is that he's not hurt and he's gonna suit up this game. <laughs> that, that that'd be something. This is wishful thinking, I know, but how crazy would that be if they announce lineups and he's just running out there? Um, uh, on a scooter? <laughs> I'm telling you, the scooter's just for show. It's just for the photo ops. All right. Um, All right. But, but no, it's, it is, in, in all serious, seriousness, it's great to see him back with the team. Obviously, like, we've talked about this. You don't get a team like this with such deep, uh, bonds and chemistry and, and friendships that you these guys clearly have with one another um, so that's always awesome to see and uh, you know you know Jalen's out there coaching these guys up and telling them how to play defense and what he would be doing to generate steals and we've seen David talk about it um, in the last couple of weeks how he's been talking to Jalen and so it, it, it can't can't uh can't hurt to have him actually there on the sidelines talking talking to the players um to his teammates so yeah you gotta enjoy these moments right i mean for the players and and us as as fans i mean we've talked about this the whole year and and i i always caveat this right i mean i know if if we lose tomorrow and the season ends tomorrow then it's gonna hurt it's It's gonna gonna hurt it's gonna feel like a disappointment right to go to win this many games and lose yet again in the sweet 16 where we've been and just can't seem to get over the hump. I mean, yes, it's going to hurt. Um, but you got to enjoy every game, right? These kind of years, you know, or just general runs in program history, right? I mean, we've been on a, a decent, you know, three-year run. We'd like to win the game tomorrow and really take it to another level. Um, but but they're not to be taken for granted, right? Teams like this are not to be taken for granted. UCLA fans should know that better than anyone, right? We, we've suffered through so many years where it wasn't like this. Um, and you got to enjoy every one of them. So you know what? It 
however tomorrow may go, uh, you know, enjoy the game, enjoy it for these kids, you know, for, for those kids there, enjoy the moment, you know, let, let play with the moment, don't let the moment play with you, all that stuff, um, you know, because, because, because again, you know, you don't know when you're going to get Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell and all these guys uh, around ever again, so you got to just, just enjoy for what it is. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, that being said, back to our regularly scheduled programming of panicking until tomorrow night. Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Uh, um, I don't know how much work we'll get done tomorrow. And uh, come, come 6.45 p.m., uh, I will be on blackout mode with my sole focus on this game. But So will we all. I mean, we got to just kick this door down, man. I mean, the Gonzaga door is waiting for us, and it's not going to be easy. They're not going to play bad. We are going to get their absolute best shot. Um, and look, we're not going to play bad either. Let's just get that out of the way. Like, I, I truly do not believe we are going to go into any game and shit the bed. Like, we might have slumps and lulls, but, like, we're never going to go in and, and just completely fall apart. Not with this group of players and not with Mick Cronin at the helm. Uh, the only thing that can doom us is this goddamn Las Vegas curse, but uh, I, won't, I won't blame that, and I think we're, we're getting over it. Now, actually, if you looked at um, some of the quotes and the interviews today, uh, Amari talks about this. He's kind yeah, of Yeah, they're joking. tired of it, too. That's another door to kick down. Get, get, get over this Vegas thing. Get over this Gonzaga thing. Get over this Sweet 16 thing. We've only advanced past the Sweet 16 once in the last, you know, how many ever times, right? Like, we just got to kick this door down. It's, it's, it's a barrier in front of us. And if we do it tomorrow then we're in a new stratosphere as a program. Like, we have a chance to do something really special. Um, but it starts with tomorrow. The Sweet 16, I, th- I think, I really think it's the hardest game of the tournament. Because after that, like, everything feels like glory. But until that, it doesn't, right? So it's all there. It's all there. And, and let's, let's level set again. Like, UCLA's the lower seed here. We're technically the better team here. Metrics-wise, when looking at the, the whole picture, we should be the better team here. So... I know we're talking about this game like we're not, but we should be, and we, we have been for largely the entire year. Uh, it's, it's, a lot of this is coming from getting the Gonzaga monkey off our back from 2021. Uh, yeah. I'm not got to hope that's not playing on anyone's head, right, that it, it's a monkey, because we've seen that in sports before. That's not good. But so long as, that's, so long as that is not there, then I think that we, we, we got a shot tomorrow. I think we've got a shot tomorrow. I think, you know, we have the extra day of rest. We have Mick Cronin scheming since, uh, since uh, Sunday, you know, like I, 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 I uh, it's, this is going to be a tough game, but I don't think we should approach it and be completely terrified of Gonzaga in this instance. This is not, again, the machine like Gonzaga from a couple of years ago. They have flaws. We're technically a better team, and this is a winnable game. I'm not saying we will win the game. Um, all I'm saying is that like we have a good shot of of win, of potentially winning this game. Like we have the ability, we have the guys, we have everything in place. Um, so let's uh, <laughs> let's see what happens tomorrow. I think it's obviously weighing on on all UCLA fans, and uh, we get over this hump. The sky's the limit. So we'll we'll see. Let's let's uh, let's just hope for the best outcome tomorrow. Um, 
I, I'm going to go sacrifice some goats and do some voodoo magic and yeah, do all that. whatever else I need to do to, to get this win. Um, shout out to, to my buddy. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot to tell this story, but he wore these cursed socks to the game in Sacramento that, um, he, he they're UCLA socks. They have Joe Bruin on them. And I swear every time he wins, wears these damn socks, we lose. And he's wearing these socks. And I'm like, dude, you cannot wear these to the game. And he, he ended up wearing them. And I was, I was not happy about it. Yeah, and your buddy is coming over tomorrow over here oh to watch God. the game. So, oh, well. like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to see those socks. They're going <laughs> so to So I should say our buddy. Um, yeah. Well, yes, please make him take him off. I told him to burn him after the game, but... Essentially, he was wearing them, and uh, when Northwestern tied the game in the second half, I just tap him on the, the, the shin, and he just looks down, and he's like, yep, and he takes off the socks. And from that point on, we went on a run, and I, we won the game. So I, yeah. I credit thank you, for, the, thank you for the reminder. Yeah, please, please someone take the socks off. Um, but, yeah, I'll be, I'll be doing every superstitious ritual through tonight. Uh, into tomorrow uh, to to make sure that we can uh, have the best chances at winning this game. Before we sign off, we do have another team playing in the Sweet 16. Um, the women's team is has advanced um, to the Sweet 16, so we are one of only, I believe, four schools right now who are uh, have both men's and women's teams in the Sweet 16. And if you did not watch the game uh, against Oklahoma the other day that UCLA had, it was obviously a stressful game. UCLA came out in the first half firing, got up to an 18-point lead, and Oklahoma came back storming in the third quarter and you know took the lead, and it was kind of back and forth from there. But shout-out to Charisma Osborne, who went off for 36 points in that game and put on an absolute show. Uh, if you have not seen the highlights of this game, just go watch those highlights for, for her because uh, she is – an absolute baller and she has been all season but this game was incredible she really put the team on her back I mean at one point she turned her ankle was hurt came back in and just kept kept balling uh it was it was wild to watch but uh super stoked for them to get get past um Oklahoma to get into the sweet 16 they are now playing again another very very tall task here uh, the number one team in the land, South Carolina. And if you've been following this team at all, uh, UCLA team, we actually played South Carolina earlier Almost this season. Them. Almost beat them at home in Columbia. Um, so the, the the ability is there. I think that, that they could do it. But this is a different beast, yeah. and it's March. So yeah, we'll, It's we'll a see. tough regional. Uh, you got Notre Dame, you got Maryland, you got South Carolina. Um, and obviously, you got to first play the game against South Carolina. But uh, But, hey... Uh, they gave him a good run uh, earlier in the year, and you know South Carolina's a a real beast to take down, and they're the odd, they're the favorite by most people to win the whole thing. Uh, but hey, like you said, it's March. It's March. Crazy things happen. So, uh, root root for your your uh, other Bruin team here playing in in March Madness Saturday at eleven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, that game will be on, so uh, we'll be I'll be tuning in for that. Um, Hopefully, hopefully from Vegas. <laughs> hopefully from Vegas. Maybe we can, uh, if we're there, Kevin, we'll go find a sports bet for that one. 
if, if we're there, then we can do if. anything we want. Big if. Yeah. Big Huge if. if. Huge if. Massive if. Um, if. <laughs> well, what if? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's that's all we have tonight. Um, we will uh, we will hopefully catch you on uh, Thursday or Friday morning uh, if uh, things go well, and if not, we may or may not be around next week. We'll see. Uh, but again, as always, if you enjoy the show, please retweet. Um, share with your friends uh, tweet at us fight with us give us feedback tell us how we're doing tell us what you like don't like hate you know all all is fair um, and please leave ratings and comments uh, on whatever platform you're listening to us on uh, we we appreciate it and as always go Bruins beat the Zags let's uh, let's do this tomorrow go Bruins <laughs>